Welcome to Cinecast, a Cinedec podcast where we chat with outside-the-box thinkers that are changing the video industry. Take one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cinecast by Cinedec. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And I'm extremely excited to kick off this first real episode of the podcast. And we've got some other content on here you should listen to. Uh, they're taken from previous Cinedec interviews on a podcast by MarketScale, which is a B2B publication. Um, but with this first episode of a three-part run, we're wanting to really set a fun content standard, uh, giving a platform to creative professionals in media, in film, and television, and really highlighting their struggles, their wins, and the software that they use to get there. So our first guest is Alex Parnell. He's president of Splitting Lanes Entertainment. Parnell is a freelance colorist and online editor based out of Burbank, California, specializing in documentary and reality TV for broadcast. And Alex is joining us on Cinecast to recount some of his most challenging and unexpected projects, some of the workflow pains he's felt as a freelance editor, and how software has not only improved his work, but saved him time and money, which is the end goal. Alex, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Great. How are you doing? I am super. Thank you for asking. We're really excited to have you on, and uh, I want to start with a rundown of you as a creative and really set the stage for who it is we're going to be spending this time with. So, Alex, as a creative, what would you say you really have an eye for, and how does that correlate into your work in a unique way? Well, I love taking footage that was shot either poorly or really well, and, you know, it's it's really fun taking it and just playing with it, making it match, figuring out what's wrong with it. Um, I also really enjoy difficult workflows, um, trying to figure out why things won't work. Difficult workflows are one of my specialties. Um, like I said, I love it when someone comes to me and something isn't working and we're able to make it work. So you got specifically into freelance as an editor and now have kind of honed your skills and, um, you market yourself as a colorist as well. Which of those really got you into uh, film editing or just the back end of media in the first place? And when did you start to really hone in your skills on specifically being a colorist? Well, to be honest, I never really edited anything. I started as an AE um, and uh, I started in trailers, uh, worked at nights uh, digitizing tapes. Um, and in the first month or two, they realized that I could do more than just ditching. Um, <laughs> and I moved to the days and started um, working with editors, importing graphics, doing exports, doing EDLs, um, sending stuff out for finishing. Um, you know, for the most part, I didn't like doing AE work. Um, it got it got very monotonous. Um, doing grouping, doing <laughs> you know all of that stuff, and also the money isn't great as an AE. Um, so I, after I was in trailers, I moved to Think Factory Media, um, and I was an AE there for several years. I worked very closely with their post super, um, set up all of their workflows for post. Um, and after several years of that, I just wound up getting bored doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. Um, and, uh, I started working with our, one of our colorists who helped me out a little bit, showed me basically how to adjust contrast. Um, and so I started helping him out a little bit with that. Um, and helping him with outputs and then helping more and more and more until the point when we had too many shows for him and I was able to take a show on my own. 
Yeah, I feel like uh, realizing you're bored with what you're doing is one of the best motivators to switch it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, and I mean, everything gets mon monotonous. Color gets sure. monotonous. Um, but one of the nice things about the industry at this point is everything is changing so much. Um, even in the, the monotonous tasks, there's always something new, always something different, and always a hiccup to fix. Um, or something that is, you know, there's always something that's a little different. It's never the same. Um, sure. So even though you wind up doing essentially the same thing every day, it, there's always challenges. And I know it's pretty common to be a freelancer in this market, which is uh, what you do. You're the president of your own company, but, you know, you do freelance work, obviously. How has running a one-man business been for you in this industry uh, since you've been doing this, and do you see the market shifting anytime soon? To be honest, the biggest shift I see in the market is from uh, companies going out of house to pulling online and color in-house. Um, I think a lot of companies, smaller companies, um, have realized at this point that there's no need to go to a facility and, you know, fork out the big bucks. <laughs> um, it's a lot cheaper to set up a small, uh, you know, Resolve Bay or Avid Bay um, or even convert one of your edit bays into an online bay. Um, it really doesn't take that much extra equipment. Um, and if you amortize it over the cost of a couple of series, it usually will pay for itself. Um, so I find that more and more companies are, are just calling to come in and, you know, work on their gear. Whereas I also have my, you know, I have a full 4K Resolve Bay um, that I will, I, right now it's at one of my clients. Um, it's just, it's all different. Um, I think that that's going to be the biggest change, though, is more and more people trying to bring stuff in-house instead of going out of house to save the money. And how does that feel being a freelancer in the market? Does that worry you at all? No, not at all, to be honest. It's pretty much the same to me either way. I'm either working at a, at a rather large facility somewhere like Atlas Digital or right. I'm you know, at a facility like All3's online facility or Invent TVs or um, Ample Entertainment. You know, they're, Everyone is different too. The thing that's, that's tricky about it is everywhere you go, it's completely different. You may be working on an OLED monitor one day and then an LCD the next. Um, you may have the Resolve Micro Panel or the Mini Panel or the Full Panel. Um, and then sometimes you go in and you have an ad, avid artist color. Um, and that is one of the most difficult things to me because you wind up with muscle memory for whatever you work on on a daily basis. Right. Um, and so I find myself reaching for controls that aren't there <laughs> right, um, right. a lot of the time. And that it, it slows it really can slow things down a lot. And then just in general, uh, do you feel like being a freelancer in this industry is still uh, lucrative or is something that you would encourage other people that want to break into this industry to, instead of looking for a position at a company, think, yeah, maybe I can just start my own business and be a freelance uh, creative? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, being a freelancer has been far more lucrative to me than uh, being on staff. I was on, I was made staff at Think Factory, I think my fifth year into working there. Um, and it was great. There was, there were no problems at all. I just, um, I didn't like having to go to the same place every day, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I like going to different places. I like different workflows. I like different projects, different cameras. Um, and it, once again, it, it gets monotonous being at the same place. Um, but I think it's a great time to be a freelancer. I think there's tons of work out there right now. Um, I am a little nervous for uh, if the economy takes a downturn, 
Um, but you know, I mean, everybody's going to be in the same boat at that point. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. That's, that's everyone's existential crisis. So yeah, (laughs) I feel that one. And especially in your line of work, you mentioned it earlier, but you're seeing a lot of changes, especially client facing ones. Um, and like most work nowadays, I think clients are really expecting speed, speed, speed. And they're also expecting Quality, quality, quality. You know, they they want it fast and they want it done right. Yeah, um, what good. sort of specific client expectations are you seeing in your industry that are setting a tone for work in the market? And how have you felt like you've had to adapt? Um, well, one thing I do notice is that, you know, a lot of people do work. They'll work extra hours. They'll work, a, you know, a 12 or a 14 hour day to make sure that everything looks good um, when they're not getting paid for it. Um, I work a lot of non-union work. Um, actually, I'm not a member of the union, so... Um, I think that people in non-union work tend to, they'll push a little harder because they want to set themselves apart. Um, and that's one of the things that, that I noticed that I don't particularly like. Um, it's important that everybody keeps to the right hours. So everybody has realistic expectations of what you can do in a, you know, an eight or 10 hour day. Mm, That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to want to unpack that more in a little bit, but we're actually going to Stop here. So everyone stay tuned. We're going to be releasing a part two and part three of this conversation. We're going to keep breaking down some of these client expectation changes and how they're affecting work in the freelance editing, coloring, and just media market. Alex, thanks for coming on the podcast. We'll bring you right back on. Thanks a lot. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of Cinecast. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to cinedeck.com or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.